Hi there. Welcome to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I'm really glad you joined me. Today, I would like to share with you that you can find some amazing faith-based podcasts on accessmore.com. The Access More Podcast Network has over 40 shows on topics like religion, culture, family, entertainment, and more with podcasts from Christian thought leaders like Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Torin Wells, Bob Goff, and more. Uh, Access More gives you a safe space to discover inspiring conversations about faith. I have, I have to say, I didn't know about it, but now I do, and I'm enjoying it. I've had comments from uh, listeners who have also found some awesome stuff out there, so I encourage you to go. If you're a fan of this show, I am sure that you'll find encouragement, hope, and joy from some of those podcasts out there on Access More. Start listening today at accessmore.com. And I appreciate you hanging in here with me, but don't go out there and listen to those yet until you listen to this one, since you're already tuned in. (laughs) Okay, so Prayers in a Metal Box. It kind of sounds like the title of a nice fiction book, but it's not, not that I know of actually. And the metal box we're speaking of is not a prayer box, as in not a small box you use to stuff slips of paper in. Uh, that you're, you know, you've written small prayers or prayer requests on. No, not talking about that kind of a prayer box. (laughs) So hopefully you'll listen on and understand just what this host of yours is talking about. But before I get into all of that, I wanted to encourage you to hop out onto Instagram and follow me there. If you're on Instagram, search for one woman inspired. That's the number one followed by woman inspired it's all one word, all jammed together, by the way. Or you can just go to my website, scroll to the bottom, and you'll see my social media links there. That's womaninspired.com. And if you're looking for a speaker for your next retreat or conference, email me ASAP, especially if you're looking for something towards the end of 2022. I'm starting to book throughout 2023 now. All right. I have a few pod quotes for you that I like to start with. Here we go. I'm going to go right into it. This one is from Billy Graham. When we come to the end of our lives, we come to the beginning of God. I love this quote because I've actually lived this quote and I know it to be truth. I'll share in a minute about that. But I I just came to the very end of me uh, more than once of my circumstances, uh, nearly the end of my life. And Jesus met me there. So, and from Marcus Aurelius, it is not death that a man should fear, but rather never learning to live. Well, that one hits me every time. All right. So John 10, 10, another quote here, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come so that you might have life and have it abundantly. All right. Let me get right into the reason this episode is titled prayers in a metal box. It has to do with a life experience that I had back in 2001. It has to do with a firefighter paramedic and a whole lot of prayer. So at that point in my life, I was not living a life of abundance. Like it says we can in John 10, 10, I'd been so trapped in fear and depression and anxiety that I had no idea what truly living a life was. And let me just say not so much depression because thank God that's something I've only really had a few times in my life, but it was more fear and anxiety. However, it changed in an instant. And I knew back then what I was being called to do and the life I was being called to live. Uh, I knew I had to step out and step up and let God take over, but I was afraid to. I was not doing a good job of letting him have control. I feared 
pretty much everything. Being alone, I feared death, I feared life, you name it. But things changed, praise God. So let me step back from that train of thought, though, and start out the this podcast saying thank you to all first responders. I know everybody hears it everywhere. You see it on bumper stickers. You see it on ads and commercials and social media. But I mean it very heartfelt, as do most all people who are saying it. Because a lot of these frontline emergency service workers, they have to be extremely objective and semi-unattached when they're working on somebody. And uh, it's a it's a serious job, and I'm thankful that they can be because it can, these these medics, police officers, firefighters, it probably doesn't register in their minds at the moment, you know, to fully put themselves in somebody else's position when they're, when they're on a 911 call. I mean, to sit and ponder what it's like for someone that they're working on in an ambulance to 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 be strapped down barreling down the road in that metal box at 80 plus miles per hour. Naturally, if, if you're one of those patients, um, it, you're thinking about it. <laughs> or, you know, maybe you're not. If you're passed out during the bumpy ride with strangers poking and prodding you along the way, then it's, it, then it's probably not as stressful <laughs> or as overwhelming of a trip as someone who is fully conscious at the time. And I was one of those conscious people, keenly aware, uh, in the midst of a life-threatening event in 2001. All five of my senses were sharply awakened like I said, fully aware. I was aware of the enormity of every small task that was taking place around me in that metal box burning rubber down the interstate. I praise the Lord that the paramedic and the EMTs that were caring for me were not sitting there worrying about what it would be like if they were in my place. Uh, I, I wanted them fully tuned into their job. I needed them to be, and they were. And although I'm sure they were surprised at my joking around as I was bleeding all over the place, um, I couldn't help it. That's kind of just me. That's who I am. Sometimes trauma brings out an even kookier side of my personality, believe it or not. Uh, I guess that's called a coping skill. Um, anyway, this particular life event happened on J uh, July 3rd, 2001. It was my very first luxury ride in a screaming metal box. <laughs> it ended up being just my first ride that night. And oh boy, I, I had two... <laughs> first time EMTs on the first ambulance from my local uh, ambulance service that were caring for me. They looked like deer in headlights as they watched me blood gush out of my mouth and nose like soda shooting out of a two liter bottle after you drop Mentos in it. I mean, or, or a pop, a uh, can of pop after you shook it up. And they tried to put this IV in my arm uh, well, the ambulance was naturally bumping all over the place and I felt sorry for them. One of them finally gave up after a few minutes and I was thankful because I was frankly bleeding enough as it was. And I didn't need to feel like I was wrestling with a porcupine all the way to the hospital. But as I found out since then, it, as is normal for many first responders, their fear did fade. Um, and, and they naturally were able to do what they were trained to do. Uh, those natural instincts kicked in. And aren't we thankful for those natural instincts of those people who are able to put themselves in those positions? I know that I am. Um, in that moment, it can be frustrating when you, you know your life is depending on them and they don't seem like they have it together, but uh, they did. They got it together. And within probably just a mile from the hospital, there was finally an IV in my arm and I could feel the fear in the ambulance kind of dissipate. <laughs> so I was thankful. Uh, when one of the EMTs started to talk to me about just plain old everyday things, though, I, I wasn't, uh, I was joking around. 
because again, that's my coping mechanism. But in between joking around, I was quiet and panicky and it helped me that he just started talking to me. At first I thought it was odd that this guy wanted me to listen to his story about his praise band at church, but, but I found it comforting to know that he was a Christian and I was thankful that he tried to keep my mind off the fact that I was bleeding profusely out of my mouth and, and feeling weaker by the minute. So though I became really physically weak over the next several hours, my mind was fully aware and I was keenly in tune to the fact that the ER staff at the local hospital where they had taken me had no idea how to help me. Yes. My adrenaline was shooting up like crazy, I'm sure. And, and, and that's what they told me anyhow. And so it, it made me alert um, that and fear, of course, but of course that made my heart rate go uh, over 225 and I was having problems breathing through my mouth and my nose because I was bleeding so profusely. Um, I had had, uh, Tons, my tonsils out a couple days before that and a blood vessel burst in the back of my throat. Now, some of you may have heard this, a little bit of this story before, uh, in some of my podcasts, because I've learned so much about so many things since then. I also like to have a little bit of a, you know, health awareness, um, <laughs> story in here. But anyway, um, I was starting to have problems breathing through my mouth and nose because the bleeding was just really profuse. And an associate youth pastor uh, from my church made it to the hospital not long after I did. And he sat at my feet and the nurse who'd been attending to me or attempting to attend to me was called out of the room frequently. And she got called out of the room again to do a heart patient needing assistance. And a very new family friend, someone I'd met just one other time before, who was a paramedic from another county, uh, was there at the ER along with several other people from church. And he came into the room and, and he saw no medical staff with me at all. And he saw my condition. I could tell he was not happy. He was pretty ticked about what was taking place. And so the nurse came back into the room and she said, look, I'm sorry. I know you can't breathe, but I have no idea how to help you. This is what she told me. <laughs> I have no idea how to help you. It was so comforting. Um, I could stand and suction you, she said. I could stand and suction the blood so you can breathe better, but we don't even know where you're bleeding from or why, and we have other patients that we can actually help. That's what I was told. Uh, I just looked at her. I mean, what could I say? I literally could barely talk at that point anyhow, but the, the paramedic calmly took the nurse uh, aside, and even though and I could hear the conversation, and told her to get him what he needed, and he would help. So she looked kind of hesitant at first, but she looked grateful as well. And I heard her quietly tell him that she thought it was a waste of time. <laughs> she thought it was a waste of time for him to help me. Uh, yeah, great news for the person lying on the cop, <laughs> bleeding profusely, right? I'm thankful he didn't agree because it, it was a tense situation. And he, he replaced my IV. He hooked up the heart monitor to me and he began to suction the, the blood coming from my nose and throat as the heart monitor had come off somewhere in there and nobody even realized it. Um, I guess, I don't know, maybe they thought it wasn't worth monitoring. I have no idea. It was a very strange ER situation, not your typical. Uh, I hope and pray it's not your typical. Um, but he started talking to me. I didn't know him very well at this point, but over the next several hours, we got to know each other a little better. I mean, wow, what better way to get to know someone uh, other than bleeding all over them, um, and subsequently vomiting on them, right? <laughs> 
more than once, by the way. So we couldn't help get a little closer. <laughs> I was weak, but I watched him intensely and I listened to every word that was said in the ER that night. The youth pastor, he sat at my feet for a good hour rubbing my feet because the, he was told that it would help get my heart rate down if he rubbed my feet. And so he rubbed my feet and he prayed. After a short time of being assisted by the paramedic, I could hear a family member uh, in the hallway yelling. Um, and very quickly thereafter, an unhappy doctor came in and looked at me. I'd been there for nearly an hour at this point without seeing a doctor at all. And in, well, it was over an hour at that point um, that the doctor hadn't even come in. So in less than 30 seconds, this so-called professional came in. He told me that he couldn't see where I was bleeding from and he couldn't do anything for me. My family told him they wanted me transported to a different hospital and he left the room. So three hours later, yes, three hours later, after the loss of over half my blood supply, we were finally told that I'd be transported to a different hospital. For that entire three hours, I bled continually, consistently, profusely. People from church were in the ER, um, in the hallways. That's what I was told. They weren't allowed to come in there with me, uh, except the, the youth and associate pastor there. Um, but the people from the church, they were there at the ER. They were outside the building and they were there for hours praying for me. And as the next metal box came up to take me to the new hospital, finally, the paramedic that was there offered to ride with me. So they were still short staffed and with two more new EMTs aboard, they were happy for him to go and I was happy for him to go too. Um, so as the EMTs gently wheeled me out of the ER and into the ambulance, I saw people from my church standing hand in hand, praying from the door of the ER all the way to the back of the ambulance. It was beautiful. It was overwhelming. It was, it's something that I can't even hardly describe. And it gave me a sense of peace. So as we left the parking lot, I knew that I might not make it to see the fireworks the next night. Um, I, I recall clearly knowing though, in that moment, that it was okay. I had this peace that came over me in an instant uh, when I was in the ER and, and again, just reinforced as I was wheeled from the ER to the ambulance, because there I was, doubtful ER nurses and docs, uh, a praying pastor at my feet, bleeding like mad. And yet I had this peace that truly, it, it really did pass my own understanding. I knew that it was okay if I lived and it was okay if I died. I knew that God had a plan and whatever it was, yep, I was going to be okay with it. <laughs> It washed over me like I had never felt uh, anything in my life. So as they were putting me in the next metal box, I closed my eyes and I prayed. And and when I did so, the paramedic who decided to travel with us to the next hospital was still suctioning me, you know, that suctioning thing down my throat. Um, but he stopped just for just a second and he laid his hand on my chest. I opened my eyes and he was praying for me. Let me tell you what happened. Before we left the parking lot, my bleeding stopped. I'd bled for over three hours. And 
my bleeding stopped. And while I was drastically sick to my stomach, I did not bleed the entire 20 minute trip to the next hospital. And once we were in the ER at the other hospital, I started to bleed again, just enough that the doctors there could tell what was going on, where the issue was, and they took me into emergency surgery. For four days, I stayed in the hospital. I had three different surgeries and was diagnosed with a form of hemophilia. So due to the hours of suctioning and the surgeries, though, it was several weeks before my throat healed enough that I could truly hold a full conversation and and they told me that my vocal cords might be permanently damaged or that I might sound different when I was able to speak again and while I did have a few moments of fleeting fear that I might sound like Minnie Mouse um, I, I kind of found it humorous thinking about how I might be able to get a job as a cartoon character but you know that didn't happen praise God unless right now you think I sound like Minnie Mouse and then scratch that. All right. So my first experiences in that high speed metal box burning rubber down the road are not my favorite memories in life, but they're ones that I'll never forget. At every turn I found caring and compassionate people who weren't afraid to share their faith, even in the middle of doing their job, even though it was against the written rules, right? Can't share your faith, can't pray over people, but they did. Their faith, their prayers, and their care were all set in motion. I know in, in, with everything that I am, every fiber of my being inside and out, that they were set in motion by God. And they literally saved my life. And thanks to the off-duty paramedic who cared enough to step up when other medical staff could not or would not, I got to see just what those God-given gifts and instincts of a paramedic look like in action. And today, as that same paramedic's wife, <laughs> I got to be there to encourage him uh, over the years to continue stepping up, praying for, and enduring all the stuff that he had to endure on his job every day, all the way up until he retired. So I am blessed to be able to remind him that I'm not the only one who has cause to be thankful for God's faithfulness. Um, and I'm not the only person who has cause to be thankful for people like my husband who were faithful to the gifts that God gave them. Me and a whole lot of other people continue to count on people who are first responders um, and who are... Uh, blessed with gifts that some of us are not but we're blessed also because of more than that aren't we I mean I'm blessed because through that experience in a screaming metal box I learned that it was okay to live and it was okay to die like the quote said it's not death that a man should fear but rather never learning to live so when I sat there with this peace knowing that it was truly okay if I died and truly okay if I lived I've I felt like I could take a deep breath for the first time in a long time. I could move on. I lived. I knew that, you know, what, I, I mean, I can live abundantly. I don't have to let myself get bogged down by the day-to-day -day fears or let anxiety take me over. And I had never felt that way before. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Satan is the thief, by the way. Evil loves nothing more than keeping people from living the life they were meant to live. And he does so through fear. He steals their zest for life, their passion to live, their passion and to laugh, and, and their ability to hold on to joy. But the scripture says that Jesus came that we can have life and have it abundantly. And like a thief, Jesus doesn't come for selfish reasons. And an excerpt from a page on John 10.10, 10, um, 
a little commentary on got questions about Christianity. Um, he, he come, this is what it says. He comes to give not to get, he comes that people may have life in him that is meaningful, purposeful, joyful, and eternal. We receive this abundant life. The moment we accept him as our savior, this word abundant in the Greek is perison, meaning exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more, a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than what one would expect or anticipate. That's what abundance is. Exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more, a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than what one would expect or anticipate. In short, Jesus promises us a life far better than we could ever imagine. Um, and I mean, that is kind of mirrored in first Corinthians two, nine, no, eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, we can't even conceive of it. Can we, sometimes we get so bogged down in our own stuff, but even our, our, just our own human minds as amazing as they are. And some of ours are more amazing than others. You know who you are. So as amazing as our, our minds are, we still can't even fathom how amazing and how wonderful things can be. And, and sometimes besides getting tripped up by our own brain, the world tells us otherwise. Yeah, there's a lot of positive quotes out there. Yeah, there's a lot of encouragement, but it's easy to feed into the negative, right? But the apostle Paul tells us that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And he does it by his power, a power that is at work within us if we belong to him and if we allow him to work within us. You can find that info in Ephesians 3.20. So when I read that, it brought to mind this memory I have of those prayers in a metal box and how I felt like I had finally woken up from being in some sort of a, a, a coma that dulled my senses to what living was supposed to be. I was ready to die, but I was ready to live both. I mean, it was okay. I was ready to live a life of abundance if God let me live in the way that God wanted me to, and that can only happen through him. So I hope and pray that as you embrace a life of abundance, and I hope that you choose that, that you realize there is nothing on this earth more precious than knowing that God's got you here now and in the life to come. That if you have nothing to, that you, that if you have nothing to worry about, how do I want to say this? Okay. If, this is the way I, I strongly feel about it. And this is where I came to. If you have nothing to worry about for your eternal future, meaning you know what's coming, you know God's got you, you know that there's more than what's here, more than what's right in front of you, more than what meets the eye, then everything else that is here that you have to endure, that you have to live out, that you have to go through, that you might cuss about or fume about or even cry about is so small in comparison that you can live through it. You can love through it. You can learn through it and do it abundantly because you know what's coming. You already know the amazing future that you have when this life is over, when you're no longer here on this earth, because you know who died for you. You know that you're saved. It changes your whole perspective in how you live. You know, 
living abundantly includes joy. It said that a minute ago in that, in that uh, commentary, right? It's a joyfulness. It's a more, it's a more of the joyfulness. It's an, it's in a type of, uh, higher quality of everything. That's what abundance is. And you know, Jesus died on the cross and he allowed himself to die on the cross. Yes, he was called to it, but he could have taken himself off. You all know that, right? He died on the cross knowing, not just sacrificing for us, but knowing that what was on the other side of it was far greater than what he was going to endure on that cross. Far greater than the amazing pain of dying on a cross. So if he can endure that, which is far more intense than anything any of us here are enduring, even though sometimes I'm sure, I'm sure it doesn't feel like it because things hurt and they're hard. But we can do it because if we can endure what's here, but not just even endure it, but learn to live in that joy and in that abundance and know that God's got you and choose to let him have you. How much greater could life be? I want you to know that if you're still here, it's for a reason. Even if you don't know that reason in this moment, I promise you there is one, probably more than one reason. But in that purpose, there's a thing called abundance. That's the more part, right? The joy, the passion, the more life to live. I hope and pray that you never have to endure going 80 miles per hour down a road in a big screaming metal box. But if you do, I hope you'll hold on to the truth that you are not alone and he has abundant life waiting for you. And you can have prayers in that metal box. You can have prayers outside of that metal box. So I hope and pray that you will um, reach for abundant life. And if you're not really sure still what that is, that you'll pray about it. You'll seek God for it. And you'll open the Bible to read about it. So thank you for tuning into the Woman Inspired Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please, please, please download it. Um, even if you're not, but you listen to it, if you download it, I'd greatly appreciate it. I would love it if you would comment, review on it, um, like it, share it on your social media. If you don't mind, send it to a text in a text message to somebody. <laughs> I would love for you to have the word out there um, about the Woman Inspired Podcast. Thank you so much and have a blessed day. Thank you.